Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have many new listeners with us for the very first time, and to those who are out there, we welcome you. The best way to describe the Outer Limits of Inner Truth is that it is a forensic soul analysis. We seek to learn where a soul originates from, what physical forms it chooses during its lifetime on Earth, and why it's here. The normal format of the show is first we do an introspective initial interview with our featured guests where we ask deep questions. After that, the interview is given to each one of our four regular show experts known as the Virtues. The Virtues comprise, are comprised of psychic medium Carrie O'Connor, empath clairvoyant and psychic Lisa Kaza, past life reader and psychic medium Laura Lynn, and astrologer Constance Stellis. These individuals do their analysis separately, so when we conclude similar when they sorry, when they conclude similar information about a guest, it's pretty damn amazing. We enjoy profiling individuals who are ahead of their time because I feel there's so much we can learn from them. And in learning from them we can further empower ourselves to evolve in any which way we should choose. Tonight we're gonna focus on hockey player consciousness and we're gonna profile NHL legend Mark Messier. Unfortunately, we were not able to get an original interview with Messier for the show. However, I think that hopefully that will change in the future. However, we were able to get an interview with Jeff Klein, who wrote Messier's autobiography. We were also able to get a top hockey psychologist and a former professional NHL player who competed against Messier several times. Messier is considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest leader in the history of professional sports. He won six Stanley Cups. Five of them were with the Edmonton Oilers and one with the New York Rangers. He is the only player to captain two different professional teams to championships. In New York, he helped end the 54-year Stanley Cup drought in 1994, and that earned them the nickname the Messiah. Wow, huh? He won the Hart Trophy as the league's most valuable player in 1990 and 1992. In 1984, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the most valuable player during the playoffs. He's a 15-time NHL All-Star. In 2007, he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in his very first year of eligibility. I think there's a lot humanity can learn about Messier's past as well as what he'll be doing in the future. So without further ado, The Outer Limits of Inner Truth proudly presents Chapter 11, Mark Messier. John McLean center for the empty net. Mark Messier, do you believe it? Do you believe it? He said we will win game six. He has just picked up the hat trick. Somehow, Mark Messier becomes a larger-than-life person when the situation calls for it and warrants it. I was fortunate to be around a lot of great people with a lot of leadership qualities, starting with my father, who played the game and knew the game from every... Uh, perspective, uh, you know, the mental side of it, the physical side, leadership, what a team player meant. And so I had a really good education at home before I started, um, you know, into minor hockey and then, of course, junior than the pros. But, uh, you know, I learned a lot from a lot of different people. And, you know, I, when I think about leaders, uh, I learned so much about leadership and heart than from Teddy Green, uh, one of our coaches in, in Edmonton, Glenn Sather. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from Wayne, uh, from all the guys that I played with, uh, Kevin Lowe. So I think you're, what you try to do is really kind of take little pieces from everything that's going on around you over those years there until finally you're in a position to have to make the decisions. You're the one that they're looking up to to, to kind of set the course. And, 
And that can't happen without the, the, the practical experience. I'm very excited to bring on our next guest. His name is Dave Smith. He was the head medical trainer for the New York Rangers and the strength and conditioning instructor from 1985 to 1994. He was with the Rangers and overseeing the Rangers when they won the Cup. Uh, Dave, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. God. Dave, what was your experience like with Mark Messier? What can you tell us about his conditioning and who he was as a person and what he meant to the team? Well, Mark will come to us. Uh, via Edmonton, as I think everybody knows, a very, very well-conditioned athlete who, in my mind, feared nothing out there. And um, he loved to be out on the ice. It's almost like uh, certain guys are born to, you know, to play a sport. And this guy was born to play hockey. Um, he, as I used to call Mark, you know, he was a, a genetic freak, but in a positive way, like. <laughs> Um, he kind of enjoyed it because, you know, there are certain people that are above the laws of, of certain situations, whether it's, you know, strength, power, speed, the ability to put all those things together and then compete. And, and, and uh, I would just, I was always, um, I guess, transfixed watching him. Um, interesting guy. I mean, he, he, uh, he took care of himself in a different way. I, I don't think he believed he could be hurt. And it was too bad he got a couple little injuries later on because um, he was almost infallible. And he played like that. And um, I enjoyed just, you know, watching him, you know, not only compete but also take over the locker room as far as his ability to mandate how to play, when to play, and and, uh, and get the guys to rally around him. He was just a natural leader. Um, very few guys I've ever seen in sports and that's from my own days and, and traveling all over that could just be walk in there and everybody accepted this is our leader. Um was very unique, so it was great. Wow. So do you think that that's something that his, the qualities that he has are not just only unique for sports but unique for a human being in general? Like it, it, it's very rare to see someone with that kind of charisma and that kind of uh, com command? I don't think a lot of people know Mark in some ways. But he had a lot of passion for other people, you know, off the ice. Uh, and especially his own teammates, he would make sure that they were well taken care of, and if they needed something, he'd get it for them. I mean, he was always looking out for other people also. So when he had a staff, when he had a party, he invited everybody of the staff, not just only players. It was, it was unusual. He invited the coaches and the training staff, and he made sure everybody was well taken care of. And um, that was a very unique quality that, you know, some people just don't have. Uh, Brian Scruton was kind of like that. He always made sure everybody was being well looked after, and then yet they still take care of themselves and then find a way to get themselves ready. Um, you know, a kind of, um, again, you know, at all watching these things and, you know, being a part of it. And sometimes you used to dream, like, what it would have been like to be able to play with that that type of mentality he had and see what it was like to be on the ice as a person yourself. I think that never was going to come. <laughs> well, and what do you think that um, humanity as, as a whole can learn from Mark Messier? What can other people, regardless if they love hockey or not, what can they learn from Mark Messier, you think? Well, just by the way he carried himself. He carried himself uh, with confidence, but not so cocky. He carried himself with confidence that when he shook your hand and looked in the eye, you knew who he was. Uh, but there's other guys that, you know, go around similar to that, but they're more cocky about it. He just had a, a natural confidence about him and, and felt very positive about himself. And uh, that, that to me, also uh, wore on to other people. And um, 
you know, just just there's so many things I can recollect. And, and I'll tell you, when when he wasn't happy with you, though, those eyes and that 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 look <laughs> could go right through you, and you know, it's, it's, it's very intimidating. Um, but once he okayed you, it was it was great. Really great. Dave Smith, thank you so, so much for being with us. Really, really appreciate your time and insight. It was really great. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you and again. We had an amazing time playing and winning and traveling together. And that's really, I think, what helped me later in my career about what it means to be a winner and what it means to be a team player and what it's supposed to look like to play on a professional championship team because that was the epitome of it. It was just from the top to the bottom uh, such a sense of loyalty and togetherness that, um, and of course we had the talent, sure, but just with the talent alone wouldn't have done it, for the, uh, obviously, and we've seen that many, many times. So there's a lot of other elements that are important, and we, we certainly had them all in that team there, and it was, it was an amazing, uh, time, uh, for hockey because of what the Oilers were able to do, but also to be a part of, uh, Wayne's career. That was uh, that was an amazing time for us. Joining us now is Jeff Klein. Jeff Klein is a New York Times reporter and author of the 2005 book Messier, which is I have to say one of the best autobiographies on Messier that's probably ever been written. One of the sports best best sports autobiographies ever written. And we're honored to have with us right now, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Ryan. That's How are you? Doing unbelievable, Jeff. In your book about Messier, what can you describe about him what makes him different than most other hockey players that are out there what makes him stand out do you think as a as a sports leader in general well you know during the uh, heyday of his career and it was a long heyday he played like 20 more well over 20 years but uh, for for most of them he was uh, just a ferocious leader but ferocious, I, I, maybe ferocious is the wrong word uh, people were drawn to him and they wanted they, they wanted to play for him as the leader. He was team captain uh, of Edmonton when they won the Cup in 1990, and then of the New York Rangers in 1994, and he's the only guy to be the captain of two different teams that won the Stanley Cup. Um, and, of course, earlier in his career, he was, to a certain extent, over, overshadowed. Perhaps not overshadowed. He shared the spotlight with Wayne Gretzky when uh, they won four Stanley Cups in five years during the 1980s. So he has a tr- he had a tremendous record uh, track record of success, of uh, being a great player, of being a hard player, very uh, you know scored scored a lot, but he's also tough as nails and suspended many times, often mean on the ice, but uh, but a leader that uh, everyone seemed to want to follow, very very charismatic guy. Okay, and in terms of um, talking about him as a leader. How would you say he he ranks amongst other leaders in sports? There are leaders amongst all different teams. You have baseball leaders, football leaders. Um, do you think Messier would have stood out amongst all of the sports leaders? I mean, does he have qualities and characteristics that basically make him stand out amongst even uh, the greatest leaders of football and, and baseball? Oh, for sure. Uh, no, no doubt. I, I think that in hockey, the, uh, the position of captain is more – both more revered and probably more vital than it is in the other sports. Like you can't think of a football captain. There are so many players, and really any football team is really three or four teams going on at the same time: the offense, the defense, the special teams. And you see the guys who flip the coin. You know, the coin toss happens. There's like a delegation, like seven or eight people who come out. So football, no baseball. They don't really have captains consistently. Like Derek Jeter is the famous, famous as the Yankees captain. But before him, the, the, the position was vacant for like uh, ten or ten years or so. Uh, the idea of a baseball captain is not 
the same basketball, I don't even know. But I do know that in hockey, the guy who's the captain, that is a very important position, and Messier ranks among the best of them. And when you wrote Messier's autobiography in 2005, what would you say would be some of the more surprising facts that you learned while researching the book? Was there anything out there that completely kind of surprised you about when you were researching him? Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I did, it, took, it took a few, a couple of years to, maybe three years to write that book. And, and uh, uh, one thing that, I mean, he had a career that lasted about 25 years and it was, it was just like, there were so many incidents in it. There was, there was just to go, just to recount each one of them. You know, it, it took so much. It was, it was such a full career in terms of uh, of incident and success, and and at the end, failure. Um, that it was fascinating. Through it all, I, I think I was impressed with his kind of uh, curiosity, intellectual curiosity and intelligence. Um, you know, because you know, like a lot of like a lot of players from that era, especially. Uh, you know, the, the, the schooling like happened in between the hockey. They didn't go to university. They went to, to high school, and as they were in high school, they were playing a full schedule that involved a lot of travel, you know, 70, 80 games. Um, and then Messier, uh, even starting from when he was very young, started all, would also play for Canada in addition to playing for, you know, his clubs. So there there was an awful lot of uh, of hockey, of course, but you know, he was interested in things like the Buddhist, uh, you know, philosophy through an uncle, uh, meditation. You know, um, a lot of things that were that, that were a little surprising to. to so find. you're saying that he was um, maybe an open person, very open spiritually to different ideas that go beyond, let's say, traditional types of uh, religious practices. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, I, I look at Messier and you look at a guy like that with that kind of qualities and that kind of leadership, and I always think, you know what, what? That guy should be a president or a leader of a nation because, you know, that's somebody who could actually kind of raise them up instead of, you know, keeping them down like most of these other guys do. I feel like, you know, that guy like Messier behind an entire nation of people would probably elevate that nation to a different level of evolution. So, I don't know. Well, it, you know, it, it's possible. You could say he, he was certainly inspirational. Mr. Jeff Pine, that was a phenomenal interview, and thank you so much for your insight on Mr. Mark Messier, who we're uh, honoring and uh, analyzing tonight. Thank you so much, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. Right. Thanks very much. The best advice anyone ever gave you, and what was it? Keep your head up. <laughs> <laughs> if you were allowed a mulligan in life, Mark, what would you have done differently? We all make mistakes, but I think we learn from our mistakes, and that's kind of what shapes us as people, and, and it shapes our character there. So if you, you know, I don't know. I think uh, I've been pretty lucky. I don't know if I'd do too many things differently. I don't blame you. Joining us now is Chris Knuckles Nylon, a former professional hockey player. He won a Stanley Cup in 1986 with the Montreal Canadiens, and he is prominently featured in the 2011 documentary film, The Last Gladiators. Chris, welcome to the show, and what can you tell us about Mark Messier? Well, I played against him my whole career, you know. Uh, so she has, uh, I come in, uh, you know, if you're going to build a hockey player, that's how you build it. I mean, if you uh, look at a scouting report on Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier, and you, you, you don't know who the players are, you just see a sheet. Weeks on it, all Gretzky's attributes on it. You know, Gretzky, not that great a skater, not a hard shot, uh, not big, not overly physical, not the best skater. Uh, Mark Messier, explosive skater, great shot, physical, can fight, can pass the puck, 
good playmaker. You would have picked Messier or Gretzky any day if you didn't know the name. So if you were to build your prototypical hockey player, it would be you build them after Mark Messier. Uh, size, determination, uh, all the things of the intangibles that that guy brought in as far as leadership, other than what he uh, could offer uh, on the ice. You saw what he could do on the ice. But that his mental toughness, his uh, emotional strength, his physical strength, uh, what that brought to a team, um, you know, it's incredible. He, he was a great leader, uh, obviously leading uh, a bunch of guys who didn't get it right away. They had a great team, but they couldn't beat the Islanders. And they had to lose before they could learn how to win. And I think he was one of the guys who was a catalyst in helping that Edmonton team learn how to win from losing against those great Islander teams. So, um, yeah, he, his legacy will be that of a great leader in hockey, a guy who who uh, gave us all every night, uh, didn't take the game off, you know. I'm sure there were games he didn't feel great out there, didn't play his best. But it wasn't for lack of that. Now, did, did you, uh, you know, did you ever hit him? Did he ever hit you when you guys were playing against each other? And how did he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah, but we never fought. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, to be honest with you, I can't think back. At, <laughs> you know, back. You know, he hit me, I hit him. I, no, I know we never fought. Okay. But uh, that doesn't mean he didn't want to fight me, and I didn't want to fight him. Uh, it just never happened. We didn't see each other all that often. Mm-hmm. Chris, I want to thank you so, so much. That was a great interview. And um, to learn more about Chris, please go to KnucklesNylon.com. You can learn more about Chris, and you can also learn more about his show. He hosts a show called TSN was Off the Cuff on TSN Radio 690. Off the Cuff. Off the Cuff. And it's heard every day from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Chris. All right, thank you. There was so much history in that team going back to, you know, early 19... You know what I mean? So every time we would do something, yeah, but in 19... 19- such and such, uh, they did that and went on to lose 10 straight and lost in the first round. Or So there's always these past uh, failures that were kept creeping into the room and that we kind of had to keep distinguishing and saying, you know what I mean, it doesn't matter. It's only what happens tomorrow. And the city, uh, there's a lot of elements that uh, I wasn't used to that we had to work through. So to, to do it and to be a part of the team that did it, there's a reason why that, you know, it's hard to win there. I know I know now. And so it makes it uh, pretty special to have been a part of the team that did it. Joining us now is sports psychology expert, Dr. Patrick Cohn. He has written several articles about sports psychology, and he's a specialist in hockey psychology. Dr. Cohn, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, tonight we're focusing on Mark Messier, and I was wondering if you can please give us your assessment on Messier as a player, as an individual, based on um, your years of observing him as a sports psychologist? One of the things that great athletes possess, including Mark, is they have um, this, obviously, this intense work ethic, determination, passion, call it a self-motivation to go out and play. And I think it comes from the love of the sport and the passion that they have for the sport that they just love to play. But So you combine this work ethic and determination with this other component, which we call confidence and trust. Well, those are two different components. So the ability, um, great athletes have to have that, where not only do they work hard, 
they love what they do, they're self-motivated. In other words, they're not driven by other people or they may not be driven by a paycheck, for example. They also have this other component, they, the ability to go out and um, trust in their skills and have full confidence in what they're doing. And you might think, well, you know, if you put in all those hours, shouldn't you have confidence trust? And no, we find that a lot of athletes put in a tremendous amount of training and a tremendous amount of work ethic into it, but that doesn't necessarily transfer over to a successful performance on the ice, right? Mm -hmm. The leadership component, you have to have that internal leadership. Joining us now is Mark Weissman. Mark has been a lifelong New York Ranger fan for over 44 years, and he's watched Messier almost his entire career. Mark, what impact did Messier have on you and the people around you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Messier is the way he came to New York, you know, having already won five Stanley Cups, and, you know, the entire city was really possessed by this curse of 1940 and having gone 54 years. And, and what I loved about the fact that he basically dismissed everything, came in and said, you know, there's no such thing as jinxes or curses, and we have to just stare in the face. And with each successive win, each playoff round in 94 that he won, you know, it became more and more obvious that he was leading not only by example, but with the way he conducted himself and this lack of fear of, you know, this supposed curse that had hovered over the team for so long. And, and I think personally that's actually inspired me. I mean, ever since 94, you know, my superstitions and jinxes and curses and belief and all that has pretty much gone out the window because of what Messier and the team that year did. Um, and no longer am I worried about, you know, what I wear that particular day or, or things like that. Um, it's just all about the game and the players and how they play and, 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 you know, basically hoping for the best for everyone and obviously being very excited about what's going on. Right. Do you think when Messier showed that kind of leadership that it was uh, universal, that it went across all lines of, regardless of what fan or what team you were on? Do you think that uh, him leading that example had a profound impact not only on the New Yorkers but uh, people who uh, – humanity in general? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I mean, he's been called the leader, not the, just the greatest leader in all of hockey, but in all of, you know, professional sports. I mean, people understand, you know, the fact that day in and day out, the example he sets in the locker room, you know, things he does off the ice. A lot of people may not even realize that, you know, there's a children's hospital in Hackensack, New Jersey, that actually named a Skyway after him because of all the charity works. He visits kids there, you know, and while they're having blood tests and, you know, signs an autograph or gives them a, you know, a token of appreciation, maybe a stick or things like that. And there's a whole Skyway of memorabilia from his entire career, not just his Ranger career, you know, in the metro New York area. And I think that speaks volumes about what he means to the community, you know, over and above what he means to hockey fans or sports fans or even Ranger or Edmonton fans in particular. So if there's one thing you think that humanity altogether would, could actually fundamentally learn from Mark Messier, for the example Mark Messier leads, Sets, what would you say that would be? I think I would say that that would be one thing that he, he said. He said, if you want to achieve something that's never been achieved before and you want to set your goal, always set your goal even higher than what you think can be accomplished. Um, and Because when you shoot for that goal, you may not have things that, you know, you may not get to that goal immediately. You may have setbacks along the way. But the point is to strive as high as you possibly can and then some, and then you will ultimately reach the original goal that you have. I think that's what he did in Edmonton where he grew up, five Stanley Cups there, wanted to change, came to New York, stared down everything. And he continues to do that, you know, in the community. And, you know, as a Hockey Hall of Famer, you know, he's an example for everyone, um, both, you know, in professional sports and outside. Okay. So. Mark Weissman, thank you so much for your uh, great analysis. Really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate it. A rare combination of size, speed, and skill all helped Marc Messier become a superstar. But it was his uncompromising desire and determination, his unparalleled leadership, and a fiercely competitive nature that place him among the game's best ever. The numbers are truly incredible. And here's a break for Messier. By himself, Marc Messier, trying to break in, scores! Messier would finish his career second only to Wayne Gretzky in points and among the all-time leaders in virtually every meaningful category. His name is firmly etched throughout the record book, but these quantifiable accomplishments only offer a snapshot to his greatness. How does one give a more complete accounting of what gave him legendary status? Do you mention the night he scored four goals in the first-ever playoff edition of the Battle of Alberta? Or do you mention the goal in Game 3 of the 1984 Stanley Cup Final that turned the series in the Oilers' favor and eventually began their dynasty? Or is it when the doubters began to surface following their collapse against the Kings in 1989, the cynics saying Edmonton could not win without Gretzky? Messier would silence them with the best season of his career. It earned him the Hart Trophy. In the conference final trailing 2-1 to the Blackhawks in Chicago, Messier single-handedly won the game, registering two goals and two assists in a 4-2 victory. The Oilers never looked back as they went on to win an unlikely fifth cup. Traded to the Rangers in 1991, Messier was given one mandate, bring a Stanley Cup to Manhattan. In the spring of 1994, the Rangers' best chance to capture Lord Stanley's mug was in danger. They faced a 3-2 series deficit heading back to New Jersey, but Messier delivered his now-famous guarantee, and once again, the captain led the way. Kovalev moving in. Kovalev to Messier. Messier shot. Score! They tied the game! Mark Messier! Leach drops it. Kovalev again. Save run to a rebound. Score! Mark Messier gets his second goal. The Rangers lead 3 to 2. John McLean center for the empty net. Mark Messier. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He said we will win game six. He has just picked up the hat trick. Somehow, Mark Messier becomes a larger-than-life person when the situation calls for it and warrants it. Two weeks later in game seven against the Canucks, Messier did it again. Messier and Noonan for the power play. Zuboff and Leap. Noonan turns, puts it in front. Missed by Graves. Noonan's backhander save. And they score! Messier! It's a power play goal! Messier delivers again! Messier would be credited with the cup-winning goal. It would turn out to be the sixth and final time Messier hoisted the cup. That moment, among the more famous of his career, helped secure his reputation as one of the game's greatest captains ever and made him the standard by which all captains since have been judged. Joining us now to provide some insight on the life of Mr. Mark Messier is globally respected psychic medium and past life reader, Miss Laura Lynn. You can learn more about Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us about Mr. Messier? I had so much fun in meditation looking at the life that he lives that he lived. It was pretty fast. It was very fascinating. I um, did discover that he was the, one of the strongest uh, past lives that was being generated through spirit was when he was a Roman gladiator. And 
I was looking into his life thinking, okay, he must have been a slave. And I, contrary to that, I never knew this, but apparently not all gladiators are, were slaves. He was actually highly respected. He uh, was uh, originally, uh, he became very strong in battle. He learned his, a lot of his skills through battles. And when that battle was finished, he had what I guess would be like a a person that would that contracted with gladiators, if you will, find him. He was found, and they brought him into the home and did some training, and he ended up being coming a very strong gladiator where he was well-received from the crowds, and he ended up uh, using two swords. It was uh, some type of skill that he and talent that he that he discovered and ended up being if you will a star upon you know at that time in the Roman era and was incredible at his skill he ended up retiring and was was very wealthy and you know I I guess I could equate it to like today's day he ended up Pardon me? Do you think there's any chance he could have been Spartacus? I, I'm not going to go that far with it. I'm, I never received that information. But something like that, somebody like that, very noted, uh, they never gave me a name. Okay. So, yeah. But it, 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 he lived an incredible life. He he was well-famed. I mean, I even actually seen him coming into the crowds in a gold chariot. Oh, wow. And, you know, people throwing coins and roses, and, and he was well, well-famed. Wow. So, yeah, very. it was incredible. And then going into his next life, I saw him in a battle over in Ireland, and he really took – he ended up being a leader and really helped so many of his, his people – in this group, uh, save their lives. And so he ended up being famed there in Ireland too, as a strong leader, fighter. Sure. Um, uh, what now, time period do you think this is? Did you, can you feel this period from? Oh, 1600, 1700s. Okay. I, I wasn't really keying in as strong as I was when he was a gladiator. There, I was feeling he passed around 80 AD, maybe a little bit after. So it was like over and over and over. He he was he was a warrior, a leader. So it seems that what you're uh, from what you're uh, revealing is that it seems that throughout the course of uh, Mr. Messier's uh, previous life lifetimes on Earth, is that he's always had these leadership type qualities, and he maybe he seems to expand or sharpen them depending on the life pending on the era of history. It's, it's almost like it's an expansion or a different expression of his leadership-type qualities. How, how, have you seen right. his, how have you seen his leadership uh, qualities evolve throughout various lifetimes? I feel like part of the skill or part of his transition through the lives was to, to show through mirroring you know, some really good uh, qualities that you need to have in order to be a leader. There are certain things they have to do, 
you know, body with your physical, spiritual, emotional, you know, keep to keep control and maintenance. I feel like his whole purpose is to teach how to be a strong leader through balance. And even though he's extreme, he has learned to use both sides of his continuum in, in a way that really works for him. And it's really about attraction, promotion, and uh, you know, marketing too, if you will. He has learned ways to market his talents to attract the, the perfect people, perfect situations. So let's just call him like a, a walking book for law of attraction. Laurelyn, that was a phenomenal analysis. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Learn more about Laurelyn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. What do the stars say about Mr. Mark Messier? Joining us now is worldly renowned astrologer, Miss Constance Stellis. You can learn more about Miss Stellis by going to her website at constancestellis.com. Miss Stellis, what can you tell us about Mr. Mark Messier? Well, it's a fascinating chart for a professional athlete, and now that he's not uh, playing, but he's gone on to other things, and I'll tell you why. First of all, we don't know Mr. Messier's time of birth, so there's one part of the astrological puzzle we don't have, but we certainly have enough with what we do know to make some comments um, on his life path and his uh, being, so to speak. So he is a Capricorn, right at the end of Capricorn, and um, his moon sign is in Aquarius. Now, the most represented signs for athletes are Aquarius and Sagittarius. So it's interesting that it's not his sun that was in Aquarius, but his moon that's in Aquarius. But coupled with Capricorn, it gives him a focus and a concentration and a leadership quality that is um, not, not always found in professional athletes. So there's more than meets the eye. The other thing that I found extremely interesting, I mean, hockey, I, I'm not a very knowledgeable person about sports, but hockey is one of the roughest, toughest, you know, take-no-prisoner sports as far as I can understand. It's, you know, men are men on the hockey rink. Um, in astrology, we have signs that are yin and signs that are yang, okay? Yang being the assertive, quote-unquote, masculine, outgoing energy, and yin being the receptive um, female energy. It has nothing to do with sexuality. And Mr. Messier's chart is overwhelmingly yin. So the, the um, dynamism to go out there and do his thing on the ice comes from a very different place than, you know, just I'm going to eradicate the competition on the ice. It is almost a protective, you know, wh whoever's my team, they're my family, I'm going to protect them and make sure that we get to do what we need to do. Um, so I think that that's very interesting. And now in his current career, I know he's doing lots of um, charity work and trying to involve other um, kids and other people in good sportsmanship and leadership in general. So he has an awful lot to offer in terms of how to get the job done, whatever the job is. And he also is very, very, I haven't heard him speak, but I imagine he's quite well-spoken. He can get his ideas across, and there is a fundamental gentleness 
that communicates. And I think that that's a very good thing uh, in professional sports because um, the bloodthirsty, you know, kill them, get the enemy um, uh, energy is part of it, but he's got something more. Uh, he's enormously uh, focused and um, driven to accomplish what it is he accomplishes with great sensitivity, and that's not such a usual combination. Are you a little surprised that um, he's somebody who's been able to make so many profound achievements in terms of leadership? I mean, his achievements in hockey are considered to be among not only just the greatest achievements in hockey, but amongst all sports in terms of leadership qualities in terms of uh, you know when he was going after Stanley Cup victories. Do you see anything distinctly remarkable about his leadership qualities, and do you think that his leadership qualities are something that he may have carried with him throughout other lifetimes? Been- throughout other lifetimes, yes, yes. But my point is, is that you can be a warrior with leadership qualities, and you can also be a, how, do, how to say it, um, I guess maybe uh, an enthusiaster, uh, uh, a, a, a commitment to uh, team spirit, and his is the latter. Um, the leadership of the group, and he could be the leader, and he is the leader, and he has the physical equipment, you know, because he was strong enough and trained enough and, and everything else to set the example. Um, but it, it's not from a, a warrior uh, past life. It would be more from a scribe or a um, even a priest, okay. which is of the spirit. Do you have? Is there any way to get an indication of what his or get an idea of what do you think his previous lives may have been, or what his future lives may actually for hold? Um, I would say that previously he was involved with um, organized religion in some way. I don't mean like hundred years ago, way back when, but. With the moon in Aquarius, he has more lifetimes to go into the future. I mean, we could say that he has contact with the aliens. And I'm saying that as a metaphor, but he's very um, tuned to possibilities that aren't quite uh, manifest yet on Earth. And I think that that vibe that he can tap into comes from, let's say, other other realms of of existence, and that's one of the reasons why he could set his course so um, distinctly. He wasn't reacting. He was moving forward on his own trajectory, and he had the body, the mind, and the spirit to accomplish it, and he's certainly not finished with um, whatever he's doing. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Okay, and do you, what do you think his lesson for humanity is? And kind of a hypothetical. I think he has enormous, he has enormous compassion. And again, my point is, is that the desire and the ability to win does not always coupled with compassion and, let's say, tender feelings. And that's, I mean, as we watch so many difficult um, news items unfold. The combination of compassion and leadership and skill and strength, that's got to save us all because we certainly can't go down the path of people um, just kind of winning for the sake of winning and expressing their energy uh, for the um, the sake of it to, to pulverize the other guy. That's old school. Can't be anymore. It's Constance Sellis. That's a phenomenal insight. Thank you. Thank you so much. My and uh, learn, My learn more about Miss Stellis, go to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thanks again, Constance. <laughs>
Joining us now to provide some additional insight on the living legend known as Mark Messier is Miss Lisa Caza, globally respected psychic medium. You can learn more about Miss Caza by going to her website at soul-psychics.com. Miss Caza, what can you tell us about Mr. Messier? First thing I'll say is he's a fellow Canadian, so I've already got the automatic love there for him. He's through and through Canadian. He's, I have to say that uh, a side that you, you would never really see on the ice, of course, is he's such a, a compassionate, soft, and, and gentle giant. He's like a, just a big teddy bear. Um, so that's you know one, one thing that not too many people would see. And, of course, on the ice, it's so, well, in my eyes, so ferocious and just kabing, kabang, kaboom, let's beat each other up. <laughs> but um, one thing that I was really struck with, and it was just flashes because I had more important information coming in afterwards, but uh, lifetimes, this is a very, Mark is an extremely old soul, and I'm not kidding when I say this, because the first thing I was shown, I, I looked into his eyes, and the word I got hit with was samurai. 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 And I'm going, oh, wow, cool, really? And, like, that just totally floored me. I wasn't expecting that at all. And so I'm going, okay, well, samurais, they were around for a long time, so... You know, you know, spirit guides, help me out here. Give me a time frame. And I heard the words fighting the Mongols. So I'm not a historian, so wouldn't I guess that would be like the the, the late 1200s, help. early 1300s. So I can verify the time. Yeah. So um, that was the first one. Um, I also saw he was a uh, a gladiator in Rome. Um, and then I get switched Wait, can we with... just focus on one second? What is this that? What did you hear about the Gladiator Rome? Any information about that one? Not too much information at all, unfortunately. Okay. All I got was Gladiator in Rome um, once uh, 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 in the time of Caesar. And then interestingly, I was shown, and this one was a breath of fresh air, uh, a lifetime where he was a cowboy rancher, mm-hmm. riding the Bronx and breaking horses and... And so that one, I, I loved seeing that. And he has got one heck of a sense of humor, and so do his guides. It, it, it couldn't have been my guides telling me this next, that he was also an Inuit in a past life. An Inuit. Another word for Inuit. Another word for Inuit is Eskimo. Okay. Edmonton Eskimos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what would you say would be his most recent uh, life? The most recent I'm feeling w- was actually the the cowboy and the rancher. Okay. That's that's the one I was feeling most recent, and then behind that one, I think it was. What about um, it, the, the person that he is right now? What qualities is he carrying with him throughout various lifetimes? Like, what is the essence of his spirit throughout um, various lifetimes that he's been here? Okay, well, that's I think what I was trying to get to next. Um, what came through the absolute strongest was actually his animal guide. And it's interesting that his nickname is Moose because his animal guide is actually that of an elk. Okay. Now, elk, they they stand for great strength, power, stamina, and nobility. And so just a, a little few little things here. 
um, elk, it takes them four to five years to reach maturity. So you're going to see patterns in his life where, you know, things will take like approximately four to five years to, to come into fruition or maybe certain dates would have a four or five in them. And I found an example of that. His career ended, uh, he, well, didn't end, but he, he retired. It was 2004, 2005. He was 44 years old. So that's the one correlation. Um, he's also extremely defensive, uh, fiercely defensive, and it's on the ice as well as off the de- ice. So he's all about defending. Defensive as in, you know, taking things personally? I mean, if somebody was... No, no. No, no. Defending as in... Um, how can I put this? Like as a parent, for example, extremely protective, very defensive. Um, as an elk, you know, any kind of the hoof animals, they fiercely defend, defend their, their territory, defend their babies. And Mark is the same way, whether it's on the ice or off the ice. Like he just goes for the, like, look how powerful he was as a player. Okay. You know, so that's, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Um, another correlation that I saw that was very interesting was that um, elk don't migrate much. So, therefore, traveling for Mark was probably hard on him emotionally in all actuality. So him being traded, you know, a couple times, whether it was from Edmonton to New York or, or wherever, the traveling actually really took its toll on him. He actually didn't like traveling. Mm-hmm. Um and the other thing I saw was the cycle of the power. Uh, Elk's cycle is that of autumn, <clears throat> which is late September to early October. Now, here's something interesting. When does the hockey season start? October. Yeah. Yeah, late September to early October. That's when it starts. So I found that very interesting. All right. Lisa, thank you so much. There's a phenomenal insight of Mr. Messier. To learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza, please go to her website at Soul. Dash psychics.com. Thank you so much, Lisa. Oh, thanks. It was a true pleasure being on. Joining us now is one of the world's most respected psychic comedians, Miss Carrie O'Connor. Learn more about Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie, what can you tell us about Mr. Mark Messier? When I looked into Mark's energy field, it was interesting, Ryan, because I saw I got pulled into instantly past life, which a lot of times I don't do that. I saw this Roman time. I saw him as a Roman um, soldier, being a warrior, leader kind of person. Then I saw this energy that transfigured over him. I saw what looked like Cleopatra's energy over right next to the right left side of him. And I saw his Anthony energy. And I asked if he was Anthony from the Cleopatra age. And I didn't get that he was necessarily Anthony, but he has that energy of, of I'm not surprised he was in hockey and he had that strong warrior energy. He has that that aggressive, assertive kind of um, shield in front of his whole front of his energy field that goes right underneath his chin, right around his heart. It looks like this disc that he comes in with. It looks like a sundial, a sun disc. So anybody that has that kind of energy, it's like this, they shine like the sun. They tend to be very good in sports and or business, and sure enough, he is very good in that. And then I was kind of looking around. um, I've never heard him before. I really don't know hockey. And that somebody was doing an interview about him being in a power uh, couple. And this is just before you called me. And I saw that his past um, couples were uh, 
Ty Banks or somebody, some another model. So he's dated famous people. So I go back to that. There's a real energy around him that he holds a real strong yang energy, and he attracts a very strong yin yang. It's like a power couple kind of energy. And this year, and a year and a half in particular for him, I see a lot of growth for him, a lot of expansion, and especially when he has a really good balanced female next to him, he just flowers and grows. Sometimes people can do it on themselves, and other times when they have this, it's like a divine partnership that just everything clicks in place for him, and he's had it many times in his life, and He's gonna. He's stepped into it now, and he's gonna really grow and flourish with that. He's interesting energy signature. I don't see sundials a lot in people's energy field, so it's, it's, it was very cool to read him. Was a sundial uh, energy a, a quality of somebody who's considered a, a great leader, or somebody who's uh, a significant, uh, who's teaching a lot of, who can have a lot of influence on people's lives? Yeah, think of the sun, it illuminates, it leads a path, and so I, again, I'm not surprised that he came from. Uh, lineage of teachers and the sports energy comes in with him and his father was into, into sports that sun again illuminates the path it brings in lightness into dark and there's a part of his energy that he's got the warrior spirit where he's not afraid to go into areas that are um that people don't go into or that he'll ask for uh i was reading about um contracts before his contract was done he'll ask for um for more money or try to negotiate so he goes in the those waters that a lot of people hold back on, and he's not afraid to. That sun energy pushes people in that assertive way, and it's a big difference between assertion and aggression. So I want to correct myself saying that he does it in a very assertive way, and he has that very, very strong energy. And I know that he's had many, many incarnations on the earth during building times, during times where there's much change in the history of uh, the, the turning times of the earth, a lot of people have they come they came here on earth during this time, knowing that it was going to be major change, and he definitely had that energy that he came down here to be one of the uh, persons of change. I mean, first off, just like a two part question. First off, what is his um, what was his evolutionary goal of this life incarnation, and how can people that are alive right now tap into his energy and actually um, kind of utilize his energy? Uh, to evolve themselves. He seems to have a very commanding leadership type energy that I think if people yeah. kind of tap into, they could probably unleash the messier within themselves. Absolutely. So he, this life purpose, he comes in, the way I see that, Ryan, is that we all come in here with a life purpose and imagine we have special keys in our heart and when we tap into that person's energy, we connect to that key and that person has a, a code that can unlock us from a holding pattern. So he comes in here with that warrior spirit and to face our our fears and not be afraid to go into areas of our life that we might not um, know full information or desires that we want and people say, you can't do it, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too this. And he gives that strong empowerment leadership energy to people. So if people tap into that heart area and even see, feel, or sense, it looks like a sun dust disc. And just I call it like a high five when people um, high five each other with their hands. When we tap each other's energy in that empowerment state, there's an exchange of energetic keys and codes, and it could unlock you and give your leadership empowerment to energy. And also not being afraid to be in that spotlight. A lot of people, when they, they feel they want the spotlight, 
But when you're in it, it's a lot of pressure. You know, you, you have a lot of people looking at you. Never mind when you're competitive and you're in sports. People are pulling on you energetically, so you have people cheering for you. Then you have other people saying boo-boo and they don't want you to win, and he's been a lot of Stanley Cups and all that. So you have these opposing forces pulling on his energy all the time. So he does have to have that warrior spirit. So if you're ever in conflict, you could call on that energy of being able to be grounded and, and protect the heart. But that shield is more, it radiates out the energy of empowerment, leadership, you face your worst fears and go beyond um, any kind of holding pattern where you could be afraid because of outside, again, opinions, that kind of thing. Oh, so this is pretty fascinating what you're just saying. So basically what a person can do is that even though Messier is still uh, alive physically in his uh, life right now, what we people can do is that they can actually look at his energy example, emulate his energy, his patterns, or model after his patterns and kind of emulate that energy. That energy will take on a form of someone within their own lives, and they can kind of like, you know, basically – pull onto them something that Messier has worked to establish. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and so he came in and say that pathway is open. So here he holds the codes of leadership and being able to be under the spotlight. You tap into his energy. And again, you don't hook into it. You tap into it. So you open up your energy field. And I call it the angel to angel exchange. So it's like so you're going to his higher self where he has his pathways open to leadership, empowerment, center stage, and again, being able to hold what you do under pressure, and then all of a sudden that energy comes into your energy field, and it activates you, and the more you work on it, and then you surround yourself with other energies, and then you work on your own empowerment and your own leadership, and then you imagine yourself under, again, like the symbolic spotlight, and that helps um, open your Oh, wow. Oh, Carrie, that was phenomenal. Carrie, thank you for a phenomenal uh, analysis and insight of Mr. Mark Messier. To learn more about Carrie O'Connor, psychic, renowned, global renowned psychic medium, Carrie O'Connor, please go to our website at CarrieOConnor.com. Carrie, thank you so much. That concludes tonight's episode of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. I want to thank all of our experts and including our virtues. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next week. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.